Fish Nerds, the show about fish, fishing, and eating fish. I'm Clay Groves, Chief Executive Fish Nerd, Licensed Fishing Guide, your best friend, uh, and I'm super happy to be here. Tonight, we have a co-host, a very special co-host, our friend from, uh, I think, eastern Kansas, the tree-hugging redneck, yeah, from eastern Kansas, the crappy hippie, Mr. John King, and John, uh, also our most recent Fish Nerds correspondent. Welcome to the podcast. Oh. Thank you very much, Clay. A pleasure to be here. Yeah, we're excited. We'll talk about you in a minute, but you're going to be with us the whole time. And regular listeners will know that you're probably our most prolific caller, which uh, makes it sense to have you just use you on the show. Since you have, you're giving us content, you must be part of the show. Uh, and all of our correspondents have come from listeners, which makes the show your show. It's a, it's a show that belongs to the listener, and we're so happy uh, that people care enough to do this stuff. So, John, thank you. Uh, today on the show, We're going to talk about John's uh, venture, the glass water lead-free lures. We're going to dig in deep and talk about why lead sucks uh, and why we should stop using it. I've got a funny story there. Um, We're going to, of course, do some fish in the news. We have some uh, bonus fake fish in the news from uh, Doc Martin. And I want to tell you, uh, talk about some stories uh, about guiding, some mishaps that happened recently. And we have a new segment called Fishing Ruined My Life. Uh, which is going to um, be kicked off in today's show. And by the way, if you want to call into the show, you call 607-378-FISH. And I try to use every call on the show when uh, we're here. So, hey, John, welcome. Good to be here. Good to be here. Good to see you again. Yeah. So, John, you you um, you run Glasswater Lead-Free Lures. It's Angle King, right? Angle King is our first product, yeah. And Glasswater mm-hmm. Lead-Free Lures, we are now actually Glasswater Angling, LLC. Oh. We got our LLC formed. We're a real company. We're not a mom and pop anymore. Wow. Well, you can be an LLC and still be. (laughs) Oh, a complete dink? Yes, of course. (laughs) I mean, Fish Nerds is an LLC. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Well, look. We don't make any money. It's a step. It's a step. But that protects you. That gives you that kind of like real business feeling, gives you a business ID number, and also prevents you from being sued personally, which is important. Yes. <laughs> uh, especially I hear in the lure manufacturing, uh, there's there's like a lot of patents and a lot of rules, and it, it's actually likely you're going to get sued at some point. So congratulations. Well, I'll look forward to that. <laughs> I will look forward to that. <laughs> and, and then, you know, you, you can too, right? You're bound I, to I, say I, something. Ah, <laughs> oh, thank goodness for free speech. You know, <laughs> yeah, right. you know and, I, and I usually don't call anyone out by name, so we're trying not to do too much of that. Great. And your slogan is for a better outdoors. Tell me, why why are you doing this? Like, why, There's so many lures in the market. There's so many people doing this already. What makes you think you're different? Well, um, I mean, the fact that there's competition only means that it, you know, it has a monetary interest in a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Plus, I just wanted to do it. If you want to know the truth, it all came down to my soccer coaching, my daughter. When I told her I hit 50, oh, I'm just going to kind of coast the rest of the way for my life. And she's like, Oh, is that right? And she's, you know, are you, you know, are you living for excellence? Are you trying to achieve? Or are you just sitting around? <laughs> you know, so the 11 years of soccer coaching came back to bite me big time. And I had visited the Northeast when we were looking at different colleges and knew about the lead free fishing laws. And I'm just for the average guy. And, and, you know, when a guy goes and he wants to get a lead free weight, but the cost is way higher or he can't find it, he has to order online or he has to do this. I thought, you know, we can really move this along and 
I also realized that fishers by nature are environmentalists. Even if it's just a mercenary attitude that a clean environment means more fish to catch and more places to catch them, they want to take care of the environment. And I knew even outside the five lead free states, there were plenty of people that would switch to lead free if they were given a fair option. And yeah, that's what our company is all about. The fair option is really important. And, and isn't it bizarre that only five states are lead free? Uh, it is and it isn't. I mean, they're going at it different ways. The provinces up in Canada each each are looking at whether to make lead free province wide. Um, but they have all these designated waters now that are lakes that where the people live, live nearby or their water supply lakes and so on. And then those are lead free. There's mm -hmm. a lot of uh, fisheries in California that are designated lead free. There's a few in Michigan, a few in Minnesota. I, I we had this conversation last time, Clay. I don't think we need to legislate these folks. I think if we right. give them the products, they'll yep. use them. I think you're right. I think you're right. But it's amazing how many people fight it. Like they just think lead's well, great and the best thing ever. And we need to change those guys' minds. We need to convince them <laughs> to come onto our side. And because those guys who love lead also hate legislation. Yes. And so if we can get those guys that look, there doesn't have to be laws if you guys do stuff that makes sense. No one will feel like they need to push you, you know, and uh, come along, you know, join. Yeah. join. <laughs> it's well, a good place to be. You know, it's like, what do you, you know, I, you know, lead's a good material. If it wasn't a neurotoxin, it would be one of the best metals ever. <laughs> but, you know, like, like Zoe says, it's a neurotoxin and even a tiny bit of it can make you sick. Uh, but they, this is what their grandparents taught them, their parents taught them, whoever, someone they love, someone that was special. This is what they're taught to fish. Mm -hmm. And your average person just doesn't have yards and yards of time where they can go out and relearn something new or is going to risk having a good catch day because he's holding on to some fangled, you know, green idea that's been forced down his throat. We mm -hmm. got to tell you know, we got to show him this tackle is not is just as good. And in the case of like Angle King, better. We got to show him that, you know, you'll catch just as many fish, uh, just as much fun doing it. And it'll be a fair price, may probably a little higher, but. Not so much the beating that you're getting now. And I think, you know, they'll come around because, oh, heck, why not? You know? Yeah. And if, you know what, honestly, if people see people catching fish, that's really what sells that it. You know, and, and it, it's so as simple as that. Fish on a hook. What kind of hook is that? What kind of lure is that? What kind of bait are you using? That's what I'm going to buy. Uh, and that's basic. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. It comes down to is it effective equipment? I'm not fishing to save the environment. It's not, and that's not counterintuitive to love in the environment. I'm out here to catch fish. Sure. And, and actually, know. if you really, truly are fishing to save the environment, it's a mismatch in a lot of ways. Right. I'm going <laughs> to pull an animal out of the water and talk about how I'm saving the, you know, the fish. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't drive. You've got to. Absolutely. Like, feel that, but we're not really <laughs> doing it. It's not nice to look at fish. <laughs> well, yeah. Unless <laughs> but it's fun. Right. It's fun. It, it yeah. just. You know, you get in touch. We all know, you know, we, it's hard to explain the magic, but we all feel it. We do. Hey, so you're launching uh, a new YouTube channel I'm hearing about, and, and I, I saw you bought a whole bunch of new equipment. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, just kind of getting that entry-level equipment. But, yes, we're um, – I, you know, had this idea. Um, we're a very small company, um, not much money, um, sounds familiar to a lot of us and you know so i i uh, know that you know youtube is a place where you can get some exposure cheap if you do sure. it right and i'm willing to get out there and shake it and you know show some of the things i know uh i've been looking at what works and i've been meeting all kinds of people it, it's yeah so i can't wait to get busy with it 
That'll be fun. It's a, it's a whole vortex beyond fishing now. That uh, video editing is a, is a whole game. I'm afraid of it. So me good too. Luck on that. <laughs> Thank you. Me too. Me too. I, I uh, you know, well, they do have this program called Movie Maker. Have you ever heard of it? I have. Yeah. yeah have you? Yeah. yeah. And then I got onto some Adobe thing, and I thought I'd move to another planet. Oh, Adobe is is beautiful. But it is a foreign language. Uh, I used to use Adobe for editing the podcast, and it got too cumbersome. It's it's a much better tool, but the learning curve is so steep. If you're not in college for that, you're almost screwed. <laughs> so very difficult. Yes, yes. I mean, I just we won't go into you know uh, how cyber life and the and the changing times affect people that have the condition I have, which is called AGE. Mm. and it's, it's <laughs> yeah it's like granny's complaint you know but anyway I, i'm doing my best though we'll we'll cross that editing bridge when we come to it yeah what's well, good for your brain and if, and if you plan <laughs> if you plan ahead you can limit the editing so that's the what i've learned is plan just just know what you want and plan it and then you can otherwise you have like 800 hours of raw thing to make a six <laughs> video where the average watcher is only going to watch 45 seconds so you have to like really dial that down so absolutely it's a lot of YouTubers out there and a lot of YouTubers make money on their YouTube channels. So there is potential. There's hope for you. And of course, you can access the Fish Nerds Media Empire now that you're a correspondent. And you can, of course, share all your uh, all your videos with our world. Well, thank you. I'd be great. I mean, it is. It's just, you know, um, it's another place where there's a lot of competition, just like the fishing business. But, you know, um, Every, you know, they never seem to keep coming up with different kinds of shoes. They never seem to, you know, quit coming up with different kinds of everything. And there's right. no reason to keep, you know, every fisher out there wants a lure that they can depend on. And they're always looking for the next new thing. And the same thing on the YouTube. You know, uh, if you can tell a good story, people will come listen to it. That's perfect. That's perfect. So so you, the lures you're making now, we've talked about before, but they've got that, um, the head is made out of, what is it, tin? Or tin. I'm doing tin on the Angle King. It's tin, and then you got like a rubber worm attachment and all kinds of spinner blades. and. Yeah, it's a double underspin with successive blades. Well, you've got one. You've fished one. You put yeah. two species on our uh, species list. You. Uh, I know. Through the ice. Yeah, through the <laughs> ice. I don't know why. I, I haven't seen you catching any smallies or anything on in the open water. Did you lose it or what? I knew you were going to ask that question. It's I you gave it away, I, didn't you? No, I, I usually actually do that a lot, but I packed it away in my ice fishing shack, and I just haven't gone in there since I pulled it from the lake. It's just sitting somewhere, packed in a box for next winter, and I don't even know what box it's in. So, but yesterday I was out fishing with some clients, and the bass were down deep. Usually, uh, like spring and fall, they're in really shallow water. But it's been really hot here this summer. So the bass have been going down about 20 feet deep. And my lures weren't getting down there. And I was actually thinking to you, I was thinking, if I had this stupid lure, if I had this, <laughs> if I had this this thing in my hand, it would be down there and I'd be getting attention to these bass. Well, uh, I'll just have to send you I, some then. I'll take them. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but nothing else I was throwing was getting down and I couldn't get my lures down. It was windy out, so you're fighting that as well. Uh, so a lot of fun. Um, speaking of which, I, I was going to tell some stories about um, my guiding yesterday. I thought maybe you want to hear them. Uh, so we're going to transition into that. So but we transition fast some days. Uh, yesterday, I, I took some clients out from Miami, Florida, out on Conway Lake, which is a great bass fishery. It's a huge lake. It's surrounded by the White Mountains. And it's usually a pretty easy bass fishing lake. And, I, and it was one of those, but they wanted to go salmon fishing. 
So like I was, they called me up and they said, can we go salmon fishing tomorrow? And I said, well, yeah, but you, you're not going to catch any salmon tomorrow. And they said, well, that's okay. We want to try anyway. And I said, okay. And they said, that's why we're not going to catch any salmon. And I said, because the water is 75 degrees, what's it, 78 degrees. And the salmon are just hiding out, waiting for cold weather so they can breathe again. So they're not eating much. And so we, and we, they wanted to troll. Uh, do you have a troll for fish, John? Uh, I have, but yeah. uh, I would rather actually just watch my fingernails grow or, oh, uh, yes. you know, pull my own teeth out with pliers or something. No, I'm not much of a fan of trolling. Uh, no, it's terrible. It, I, so I own all this equipment for trolling because I knew clients were going to want it. And of course, as a, as a business person, you want to sell them the trip that they want. And, and I, said, I said, sure, let's go trolling. So I, they, they meet me at the beach at 630 in the morning and they're excited about fishing. It's just a guy and his son. And we get in the lake, and I set the trolling gear up like a pro. I've got down riggers, I got leg core line, drag them behind the boat, um, which I don't know if it hurts anything or not. It stays in the boat. Um, <laughs> now I'm thinking about lead. Yeah. Um, I got leg core line, drag them behind the boat. I got two outriggers with the eight pound lead ball on them. So I'm using a lot of lead actually yesterday. Uh, and then behind them, I've got all these spoons my friend had made for me. And we're dragging around the lake, and you know, two hours in, uh, no fish, no sign of life. And we're starting, to, so I figured I'd cruise in just a little shallow. We're in about 40 feet of water. We're fishing about 20 feet. And we cruise into the shallow water, about 35, 30 feet of water. And all of a sudden, we've got a bite. And so I'm like, oh, right on. So the kid starts reeling in the fish. The fish then does the classic thing that all fish does, which is fight, which means it tangles up almost all the lines on the boat that are dragging behind the boat. Now, you can't stop a boat that's trolling because if you stop it, all the lines that are now like 200 feet behind the boat will now land on the bottom of the lake and get snagged up. So you got to keep the boat driving. Now, I'm the only legal driver on this boat. You have to have a license to drive in New Hampshire. <laughs> so I'm trying to untangle lines, deal with this fish this kid caught, and all of a sudden, I hear this horrible sound. I hear... And I watch one of my downriggers break off the mounting up the rail and fly into the air. So I drop everything, including the fish, and I dive the, on the rail and I, and I catch the downrigger, uh, the actual big downrigger, before it hits the water. And I catch the fishing rod that was in it. So one hand has the rigger, one hand has the rod, and the, and the, and the downrigger ball had caught on a stone or a boulder in the bottom and busted everything apart. Which is just, so the downrigger's ruined. <laughs> I put an eight-pound lead ball on the bottom of the lake, which is terrible. Uh, I broke the downrigger where I can never put it back on the boat again. All my lines in the boat are, are tangled up into one line. And then the, the fish we caught, you want to make a guess what it was? A perch. No, no, uh, chain pickerel. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Slam yeah, hard. Yeah, so what is that like? So I'm just doing a little bit of math here. Downrigger I bought used for 100 bucks. The eight-pound lead ball, there's another $29. Uh, so I did like 150 bucks in damage with all the little bits and pieces that broke off uh, for one, <laughs> one big pickerel. <laughs> for the nice. The clients were thrilled. <laughs> the talk about overhead come on oh, you know i i know i'm like that's why we charge so much to guy <laughs> right hey they got to yeah. watch you dive after a, a uh downrigger I, that's worth the price of admission right there right well there's one piece of information i didn't give is that downrigger ball made it so my sonar didn't work 
because of the it was you know it was twenty feet below the boat. And somehow that mar- that twenty foot spot where that was, my down my my sonar saw that as a bottom of the lake. Oh. And, and so I learned that because as soon as that popped off, my downrigger sprung to life. I'm not my downrigger, my sonar sprung to life, and I could see everything again. Oh, um, if that was working, I wouldn't have been in that spot. Oh uh, <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> like thanks a lot. Thanks for nothing. So now yeah. I know uh, not to put a, not to put a ball on that side of the, of the boat um, if I ever will again. Um, so I, after that happened, I said, "Hey, you guys want to go bass fishing?" <laughs> yeah. Well, if you so, want to catch pickerel, there's easier ways to do it. <laughs> and I love catching. I mean, look honestly, with clients who have never freshwater fished, if you could catch four or five of those pickerel in a day, you would. They had the best day ever. They'd be so happy. Oh, yeah. So I I pack away all the trolling gear, and uh, just as I do that, it gets really really windy which uh, on a pontoon boat, I mean, it's like driving a big sailboat. <laughs> the wind just catches that boat and blows you across the lake. So I'm like, okay, let's go into a cove. We're going to anchor the boat. I'll teach you guys how to fish, and we'll, we'll catch some bass and some per- pickerel and perch for a while. So I cruise into the cove, and uh, I, I'm talking to the clients, and I grab the anchor, and I throw it off the boat. We're about uh, 17 or 18 feet of water. And what's the worst mistake you can make anchoring a boat? Uh, not tying the anchor off. Boom. There it is. So I threw the anchor in the water. I watched the rope uncoil on the deck of the boat and I watch it go over the rail and into the water and the, <laughs> gone. <laughs> and I'll just see these bubbles rising up. And and this, <laughs> this is number two, right? Uh, this is not the first time this has happened to me. <laughs> well, the first time it happened was with, um, was with some cement barrels I made for uh, my mooring. And so like, yeah, I guess I do this a lot. I'm, I'm not very smart. Uh, so I'm with clients. I'm, I'm, I'm dressed up fancy in my guide outfit and I, I never have things in my pocket while I'm on the boat, just in case I go in the water. So I just look at them and I say, excuse me. And I just dove in <laughs> off the rail head first to the bottom. And I'm, and I felt like I was down there for hours because I decided I'm not coming up without that anchor because it was a really nice anchor. And so I swam around the bottom and finally I got my hands on the anchor and I swam up with the anchor in my right hand and held it above the water. <laughs> I could have had the rope, but I wanted the dramatic effect of me come plunging through the surface with the anchor, like, a, like an anchor hero, instead of the amateur that I am. <laughs> so, anchor hero. I mean, they're going to uh, talk about that forever. And then he just comes up, dude, out of the water like, you know, a titan. Like, oh! <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Angelic so, choir. Uh, I, but I got it back. I tied it to the boat, right and on. I just while I'm in the water, I just I knew where I wanted the boat, so I just grabbed the boat and I swam it over to the spot and put the anchor back in the water, <laughs> tied it to the boat, and got in the boat. Uh, and then I try to show these guys how to fish, and I'm trying to figure out like their skill set, right? They're they're you know I'm I, I was gonna my plan was to use like Sanko type rubber worms, and it became very clear to me after like four or five casts that that's actually a higher skill set <laughs> than I was prepared for. Yeah. You know, we need for, for clients, I need to get to a point where it's throw this in the water, reel it in. So there's nothing else to do. Just throw it in the water, reel it in. So I should have been using spinner baits. I should have been using rooster tails. I should have been using your glass water lures, all kinds of uh, better choices than what I was choosing. And then wind change direction. My phone just won't stop ringing. Sorry. <laughs> um, there's all kinds of better choices. Lures than what I was doing, and I kept failing over and over again. But we did manage in the end of the day, uh, we ended up with catching uh, two bass, which is two smallmouth bass, and about a dozen. Gosh, my phones are lighting up. 
um, and about a dozen uh, yellow perches in that one big pickerel. And then it got to the point in the day where these guys weren't catching much fish. I'm getting that. I would get. I think I'm going to call it uh, fishing guide depression, where you just want them so bad to have a huge win. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know, like because you want your clients to catch fish. And the client said to me, "Did you did you bring us to your A spot already? Like your best spot?" I'm like, "Yeah, we started there." <laughs> right. <laughs> that was my A spot. It didn't work out for us. It's problem is fish move and uh, don't do what you want them to do. So I said, are you guys having a good time? And they're like, yeah, but we should probably wrap up, you know, soon. And I've already gone over an hour of what they paid for. But I really, you know, when you're guiding, you want them to catch fish. Uh, and so I said, why don't we just go tubing? <laughs> so I played the tube and we just tubed around for an hour and played in the water. And they were thrilled. They, they just had the best day. <laughs> so, well, that's, that's what I love about your yeah. service because it can transform from, like I say, you're trying to get that, that experience where you can just, the fishing's gone south and just, get out the tubes or just start diving off the edge and you've got those your waters are so pretty and so clear and clean and nice it's uh sounds like a heck of a deal to me yeah they loved it and of course now they're all instagram posting all these great pictures and what a great day they had and it's funny to me as like a fish guy's been fishing a long time if i had paid for that trip i'd be so bummed out <laughs> like but they, but it's the experience of the client versus the experience of me is such a different different thing and the clients were great they had a fantastic time they did nothing <laughs> nothing wrong except for you know and and, that, and who knows what they saw like as far as my <laughs> me messing up goes they probably didn't notice anything they probably that's great let's <laughs> do it again oh yeah they're, they're like hey this guy will do anything all right he'll go yeah. over the side he'll you know <laughs> yeah you know he, he he's not gonna get you know get phased or flustered by you know Anything. I know. I was, I was so casual. Like when everything was breaking, I'm like, oh, you know, no big deal. We just put that away and do something different. And my, in my side, I'm like, God damn it. I'm so <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, oh, yeah. Real life, man. Real life. It so. is. It is. I, yeah. And that's why, you know, too bad we couldn't have had any or all of that on vid. That would have been great. That would have been the worst. <laughs> I think I'd be sad to put that video. <laughs> well, the video of, of the of the rope going off the with the anchor and me diving in, I think would be pretty good. Um, uh, the the kid told me. I said, "Was I underwater for like three minutes?" He goes, "Yeah, like twelve seconds." Like, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it felt like forever, but it would have been good. Um, yeah. So you you did some guiding. You were telling me you did some experience, like showing people where fish are. Have you experienced any kind of traumas? Well, I understand the the tension of uh, wanting, I mean, I've been in the service business, you know, most of my life. So whether it's a restaurant or this or that, you want your client to have a good time and to love what you're doing for them. Uh, this was just back when I was a kid. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, like one time, uh, this guy, we were in Canada shooting a promotional film and there was a guy from Michigan Herald or some such. Anyway, he asked me to take him walleye fishing. And, I, you know, I was only 16, 17 years old, so I was nervous, nervous, nervous. And, of course, the lodge has the guides that run the boat, but they're mainly just, just you know, boat jockeys. They, they're they the kind that put you where there's fish, and then they just kind of lean back and expect you to catch them. Mm -hmm. and, uh, that sounds easier. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it is, you know. Uh, when we got into this place, and, and I'm, I'm one of those fishermen that, you know, uh, dinks are fine and we were catching a you know dink walleye about every other cast that was okay but i get bored with that and uh decide well i think i can you know we can better this there's got to be some better fish in here 
anyway, the guide put us in this spot and I, I saw where the river was coming in. I saw this deep eddy and so I'd wait for them to throw and reel in. And then I throw down the length of the boat, hit that deep eddy, grab, catch walleye three or four pounds, reel it in. Anyway, I was trying to kind of wait and, you know, cause I just was intimidated by a kid. I was hoping they'd figure it out on their own. Uh, no, you know, no chance. No, no chance. and I even said, out, throw, <laughs> throw down toward where the river's coming in. And he just kind of flinging out there. So I've, anyway, I eventually, I said, Hey, Jordy, the guide, I said, Jordy, let's move this boat over if you don't mind. And so, yeah, it was just tough. It's tough. I'm, I don't know if it was making a good story or not, but to have a 16 year old kid telling, you know, 65 year old man and a 28 year old guide, you know, what the hell to do. But we got in there and the thing is we were fishing with Ed Eppinger and his grandson and they were in, and this is the guy that makes daredevil spoons. And, uh, you know, people were like, you know, my dad was like, use daredevils, use daredevils, you know, cause he's paying us for film too. And right. Well, we got in there with, uh, my friend, dusty Ensley, his dad's locally famous angler, Harold Ensley. He has this lure called the reaper. I was like, not a chance, man. I put on the reaper, all three of us. Anyway, Al Spires knew Ed Eppinger really well and just gave him trouble the whole time. Every time he'd hook up, he's like, ah, you know, loud. He's yelling out, let's time it. Let's see how many. All right, we have 45 minutes till lunch. Let's see how many walleye we can catch, you know. Oh, I love that. I yeah. love when it's like that. It's yeah, so yeah. we caught 28 walleye, all of them, you know, all around three or four pounds. So it was beautiful. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was one of those days everything works out and you know, I got to live up to my dad's estimation. Finally. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. For a day, you know. Yeah, for a day. Just we can all be heroes even just for a day, you know. Yeah, and it's funny how we like like now like we're we're so like supportive of our kids versus our own parents who did the best they could given their time frame they had kids, but like now we're like everything my kids do, oh it's a beautiful thing and it's like it doesn't matter, like it's what they do and we're always in it and our parents were like, yeah, well, you could do better. Yeah. <laughs> you know? right, yeah. And, and get yeah. out there. Just get out there. I'm, I'm yeah. feeling insecure. What? Feeling what? <laughs> Just get out yeah. there. Don't be a baby. Don't be a baby. You're the yeah. best fisherman here. That's not what you said last night. Never mind. Get out there. <laughs> you got it. You got it. Yeah. Well, I guess it's supportive in a way. It makes you do the things, you know, and being sure. uncomfortable is sure. part of it. So I'm, I'm hoping that within a couple of years in the business, I've got this all dialed in. I'm bringing less gear. I think I had 14 fishing rods in the boat for two clients. <laughs> <laughs> so but right now I'm over preparing for everything. It's just bananas. So I, I think any, anyone out there who brings you people fishing feels that pressure. Absolutely. People have to catch fish today. And of course, you know, you're not fishing in an aquarium. You're fishing in an open body of water. Anything can happen. Anything. anything. <laughs> <laughs> indeed. Indeed. All right, John, you've heard about our new advice column, we're going to call it advice column, called Fishing Ruined My Life. And the idea is we're hoping that, that listeners will call the Fish Nerds Hotline 607-378-FISH and leave us a, a voicemail and start off with saying, hey, dear Fish Nerds, Fishing Ruined My Life. Uh, and we got it's brand new, so we haven't got a lot of calls yet, so we're going to work with an email that I got <laughs> that, I might, that I might have made up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
uh, you might have cued me in on. Uh, dear fish nerds, my name is Kristen from New Hampshire, and my husband is just fantastic. He's funny. He's kind. He's a great dad. And most of all, he is beautiful. I mean, I just can't get enough of looking at him. He is pretty. But he has a problem. <laughs> he loves to buy used fishing gear. He goes to swaps. He shops online. He loves to pick at antique shops and junk stores. Then all the gear comes home and sits in a pile and drives me bananas. What can I do to help him with collection and maintain my sanity? Uh, signed, crazy for my collecting husband, New Hampshire. <laughs> so, all right. <laughs> That's sweet. Yeah, this is based somewhat in reality, I'm sure. We'd love I'm, to have some else, but, but this is actually a real problem that people suffer from. They collect fishing gear. Yeah. Hoard it. Yeah, yeah. You've got this problem, don't you? I do indeed. I, <laughs> I, um, I, I bring in, I sell, I, I give tons of it away. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I have the battle. I don't just have a basement, brother. I got a barn, uh, <laughs> and uh, I kill for a barn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's a stall in there that is, uh, yeah, loaded up with stuff. Lots yeah, of rods. How, yeah. How well organized is that barn? Uh, half and half. The rods half. are up on, are hanging up on nails, you mm-hmm. know, but there's a box of reels. There's this, that, and it's dusty. And so when you get into stuff, it's, yeah. And so then when you see what, yeah, I mean, we're, you know, one, one tip starting off, try to keep it organized. Cause when it's just a dang mess sitting there, you'll go, eh, I'll work on that tomorrow. <laughs> I'll, I'll fix it later becomes the mantra. <laughs> exactly. And then, then the mountain gets more intimidating and, and so on. Yeah. And so, so you're, you're married. Your wife's name is Catherine. Kathy. Yeah. Kathy. And, and uh, what would you say to her if she was complaining about your mountain of fishing gear? How would you, as a good husband, how would you help her understand your obsession? Or does she share this? Well, she shares it um, in that she loves to go picking and she takes me along um, but, and so she's always with the, with the, you know, the, the, the wifely tips, like, do you really need that? Or, you know, is that a good buy? And mm-hmm. I've learned to stay away from stuff that's busted. Uh, right. I don't fix mm-hmm. reels. I've tried and I can't. And so quit buying the ones that don't work real well. Uh, no rods that are busted. Sure. They're easy to fix. A lot of times you just need to glue a tip top on them and all that, but it's like, you're never going to get around to it. So I try to save my money for the real gems, even if they're, mm-hmm stupid yep. i was at a sale the other day there was a bass casting rod for example for a dollar it had That's a, a wooden deal. wooden hand you know with somebody's homemade rod it's on a fenwick mm-hmm. blank had a wooden pistol grip handle on it no yeah and that is so 70s and so dead and insensitive in your hand of course nobody uses a pistol grip anymore right but i just had to have cool. it because it was cool yeah cool is a good thing yeah and, and we all, you know, we all had to have a pistol grip back, you know, that's, that's my country back there with the pistol grip and the, the little five and a half foot bass rod and, you know, that kind of stuff. So if you get, get selective, then she's not quite so seeing it as, you know, she starts sharing in the value Yeah, and, and knowing that you're not just dumping money, you know? Yeah. And so for, for the question that was asked here from our, our listener, which is my wife, um, <laughs> which I might have edited. Um, <laughs> she, she actually, we, I bring home, a, uh, we have in our town, we've got what's called a dump store, which is basically if you have something that's of value, but you're on the way to the dump anyway, you can put it in this little, on this little shelf unit at the dump and it's free to pick. Anyone can come take it. 
So I frequently will find stacks of fishing rods and reels and tools and all kinds of stuff. And I have a really hard time not putting everything in my truck because yeah. it's, it's totally free. So I see a stack of rods and I know they're all crap. <laughs> I, I grab them all. <laughs> yeah. so I just, you can't help it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, and you can't because you, you hate to see stuff go to waste. Right. I think that's part. I find this a lot, especially when people have an environmental ethic. Um, either, you know, you hate stuff to go to waste or you were born, you know, I kind of have it both ways. I, you know, I, we never had much money, so you made do, you made do right. it, you fixed things, you did that, but you can get to where you, yeah, and then you have to judge, is this even worth fixing? And then you have to f- figure out where you're going to throw it because now you've decided you don't want it. Right. It'll, it'll water down on you a bit, Clay, as you go yeah. along. You'll start, you'll start hitting that pile when you open the door and all the shit fo- stuff falls out on you. That's, that's where I'm at already. So <laughs> what I've been doing is bringing stuff back to the dump store. And then what I, <laughs> was I, I sit in my truck and I watch other people pick it. And then I go out and talk, <laughs> then I go out and talk to them about it. Like, oh, that's awesome. I'm like, oh, I put that there. You're going to love that thing. I try to sell them this thing that's free. Like, it's just the weirdest reaction. I feel this, like, connection to all the crap I pick up. Um, but what can we tell? So let's let's pretend I'm not going to change. Right? Okay. Because let's face it. I'm old. Right? Right. We get kind of stuck. And we try. But we're going to – I'm always going to be attracted to grabbing stuff or, excuse me, whoever this person's husband is is going to always be attracted to collecting. Uh, whoever. <laughs> whoever this happens to be. Uh, what can we say to Kristen from New Hampshire to help her be more supportive of her picking husband? Uh, well, he's not out <laughs> picking other women. We could start with that one. That's tried and true. Right. And, and got impossible, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we all get better looking after dark and yet alcohol. I mean, I think anybody can make anything work out if they try hard enough. All right, fair enough. But, don't give me that. All right. <laughs> um, but I, no, and I would, you know, I would say that there are ways to be supportive without giving into the whole, you know, the whole thing. And right. So you're saying she needs to buy me a barn. She could buy you a barn or she could give oh, you a dedicated corner that when once it's filled, you're going to have to make, start trading out or, um, you know, I, I, you know, like I say, I get, I fix a lot of these little, and you meet so many kids, uh, with what you do as a guide and an educator. So, you know, there's always that excuse. I, I'm one of these days, they're all going to get fixed up and out of here. I just need a place to put them. They're for the kids. Yeah. They're for the kids. <laughs> yeah. You can break her, break her down a little bit that way. But as far as the wife, I, I would, unless it's, if it's just an eyesore, let it go. You know, there's worse problems than that. Like I say, he could be collecting, uh, I don't know, hydrogen bomb casings or something just really, really obnoxious or really uh, could be doing the old cars. You could be out getting, you know, picking old cars. Oh, that's uh, the worst. Yeah. You can pull up <laughs> some images posts. off Google. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Car pickers and what my buddy Dan down the road is a car picker. I'll take a picture of his place and. You can show her. Say, I could be doing this. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a it's a tricky world because I think everybody has, especially. I, I, this is going to be a little sexist, but I wonder if like are men more likely to be this kind of like collector than than a woman? Like what fishing stuff or just picking in general? I think the kind of picking that yeah, picking for for these kind of items. Oh, uh, fi- for fishing stuff, without a doubt, it's all men. Without a doubt. 
Uh, but we all have these kind of things, I, you know, and, and if, if that person who's collecting is not, first of all, being dangerous, right, that's going to be safe. So it's not piles of stuff that's falling on people. Uh, that person's, like you said, has, there's, there's worse habits than collecting, right? You can, alcoholism or <laughs> being into drugs or, you know, all, there's all kinds of other worse ways to behave, right? So you, you have to decide, this is, this is my person, <laughs> And is the is that the price of being with this person is they're attracted to collecting these kind of things? Am I willing to pay that price? Sure, you know, <laughs> and, then can I, and then you can help them organize it maybe a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we try to be considerate, but everybody needs space to be weird, and mm -hmm. uh, it's a really, oh, you know. And I think you know, collecting, hoarding, whatever you want to call it, trying to preserve, it, it's rooted in our our you know, necropsychology, our fear of death. You know, we want permanence. We want things to stay. We want to recover from the past if we can. We want to hang on and we do crazy things. I mean, I've seen people that, you know, pick glassware or dolls or anything. You ought to see their houses. It's, it's even if it's really organized. Have you ever seen a place where there's 500 salt and pepper shakers, you know, on in displays, you'll know what I'm talking about. I've seen that. And I've, in, in, and my favorite, I met a person once, this is a whole other thing, but who collects what's called nodders. They're salt and pepper shakers that, that they rock back and forth and they nod. And they're kind of all on little hinges. And it was a, a fantastic collection. I wouldn't want to be house with a lot, but <laughs> it's fantastic. It's, you know, see, and it, it's like, hey, you know, okay. It's, you know, everybody's got to have that space to, to do their thing. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm sure, I'm not trying to be a jerk, Mm -hmm. I'm sure the wife has a couple things that probably get on her husband's nerves and nope. a couple of habits. Nope. Not, nope. <laughs> not, <laughs> not a darn thing. No, I can't think of a thing. <laughs> <laughs> no. yeah. Besides being awesome, nothing else. Nope. Besides being on. I see they've no. got, what, we got a date night on the calendar here somewhere. Hey, no. <laughs> if my Patreon keeps growing, we're going to have a date night. One of these days. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sorry, but that's uh that is the fishing ruined my life. Our first try at it. Uh, but we'd love to have some actual real calls. So call 607-378-FISH. Ask us, ask us anything you want, and we will, we will solve all your, all your fishy problems. <laughs> so I think it's going to be a fun segment once it gets, uh, gets seasoned a little bit. <laughs> Absolutely. News, news, fish in the news. Everybody loves their fish in the news. I love fish in the news. Everyone loves fish in the news. And of course, I'm tying this into today's theme, which is not always, when we have you on, John, it's not always going to be about lead, but I know you love talking about it. Uh, so this is from the Concord, New Hampshire. Officials say lead fishing tackle still killing loons in New Hampshire. Um, and I'll give a little background. As, as people know, uh, some states have lead-free rules. Uh, New Hampshire went lead-free because of the loon. Uh, and I think on Facebook, John, you pointed out that the loon is the poster child for uh, for the lead-free movement. Yes, yes. I mean, because there are many other species of wildlife that have an equal danger and equal uh, demise because of this lead stuff. Tons of them. We always are focused on we look when when you look at like environmental movements, they always pick an animal. If you look at like uh, fish migration, they're always talking about salmon, even though like in, in the East Coast, Atlantic salmon aren't going to come back. But, yeah. but what salmon do is they open the rivers that, or the doors, so to speak, for the other species of fish who use them. Loons, in fact, though, are making a comeback. Uh, but the lead-free rules or people choosing if that's your, your thing in Maine, for example, 
to go lead free uh, will open the doors for other fish and other animals to get less lead in their bodies and hopefully uh, flourish. But people in New Hampshire, you know, live free or die. Don't tell me what fishing gear to use. And I think some people uh, dig in deeper um, <laughs> when, when, when they're told they can't do something. No, oh, absolutely. I mean, it's a psychological... Uh, it's even a sales tactic. Tell somebody they can't make a buy, and the next thing you know, you know they get obstinate about it. Uh, um, you know, change is hard for some people, and mm -hmm. they equate it with right and wrong, and with you know moralisms and my good person. And and my thing is that look, folks, it goes beyond the wildlife. Don't you, you know, would you feel comfortable drinking out of a water that had you know four or five lead sinkers in it? I mean, do you really? want that you know you know what a coal roller is so they're the people that gun the big trucks with the big diesel stacks you know just because yeah. they see a prius on the road there's gonna be people that are just like you say dig in get obstinate and mm -hmm. obviously these loons somebody's out there just you know ignoring the law right um and we anyway we shouldn't need these laws we all know lead's bad we've outlawed lead paint in 1970s same reason you know loons were dying or people were dying. <laughs> people were becoming loony from licking it. Um, so we, it's been outlawed for years already, two years in New Hampshire only. So it's still relatively new. And there's still, there's, there's like thousands of pounds of lead already on the bottom of the lakes. Oh, so absolutely. Even though we're stopping using them, it doesn't end the problem. The good news is, is lead is so dense. And that means it's going to, in a short time, will work its way deeper under the gravel and sand and muck in the bottom of the lakes. It actually will be less of a problem for birds eating them. We don't know. <laughs> The other problems it may cause later on, but we know that the, the longer it sits there, the, the deeper it goes down into the uh, bottom because of its density. Well, so that's yeah, that is good. And, and you, <laughs> you always hate to say something like that because now here comes somebody going, well, I'm going to have to worry about it. It's just all going to sink into the dirt. And it's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know, we, we're losing, conservatively speaking, we lose 2,000 tons of lead into the rivers, lakes, and streams every fishing season. That's a lot of lead. You know, and the number is probably about 10 times that amount. I mean, you right, base so that on 51 million anglers losing uh, somewhere between a quarter and a half ounce of lead each fishing season. Now, I tell that to a crappie guy. That's they're like, hell, you know, that's 10 jigs a season mm -hmm. he, or uh, 20 jigs a season. He's like, I lost 20 tw jigs last time I went. You know? I was going to say, <laughs> I have some days where that's my day. And so switching out of lead is important. Um, but it's, it's, it's an awful lot of lead and it's in the waters and we know it's bad for us. Right. Right. And that's makes me think about like using even the other lead I'm using, like when I'm using the lead downriggers, is that big ball doing any damage or is the fact that it's such a big ball, is it inert? Like, is it going to leach anything into the water or is it fine? Uh, cool. And I don't, yeah. Oh, it's going to leach into the water. It's absolutely. And, yeah. and uh, it's, you know, that's why, we, you know, they, you know, once again, we struggle back and forth and they've tried to bring the paradigm down to, does it have a direct effect on wildlife and what species? Mm -hmm. Well, they're but, looking short term. They're right. Everything is short term. Well, and yeah, and it's you know, oh, and we need you know proof. This is the craziest country where we need proof that people are going to get hurt by it before we do anything, rather than have common sense saying people are bound to get hurt by this. Why don't we just head it off and get rid of it? Right. Yeah, we and, know it's poisonous. We know for sure it's poisonous. We know for sure it's going to wreck you. It'd be easy to get rid of it, um, but it's there, and so people are still going to keep using it. The fishing game on this story said it's recent. It looks to be recent tackle. They probably set tape tell by looking at it um, from the dead loons. They, they do a autopsy. 
And there are people in, in a lot of states who think that the lead free movement is being pushed by like the tungsten lobby or the, <laughs> or the uh, aluminum lure lobby or some other agency who's going to make a lot of money on outlawing lead sinkers, um, which, which is pretty uh, big statement. <laughs> I guess not impossible, but it's, and there oh. is mining, as you know. I don't know that there's any basis for that. First of all, well, going back, I, I read the article too. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, one of the loons actually had a piece of line still sticking out of his mouth. Still mm -hmm. had, you know, the hook in there. And the hook, you know, if it was old, the hook should have de degraded a long time ago. Um, as far as any lobby, there's no lobby more powerful than the American uh, Sports uh, Fishing Association, the ASA. And they are a lead lobby. And the more uh, crazy they get about lead, the more I know we're starting to, you know, gain ground in our market. Uh, to the tungsten thing, tungsten didn't just, when tungsten came out, it was all about provast fishermen, small mm -hmm. size sinkers, being able mm -hmm. to get in there, using that swivel top so that bait, that sinker would spin instead of picking yep. up weeds. They didn't even talk about the environmental impact. I just finally, just the other day, uh, was looking on Cabela's and they have a tungsten line called EcoPro. So yep. here, about eight, 10 years after tungsten has been introduced, we're finally talking about it as an environmental plus. But if you remember when tungsten first came out, they were trying to get these kids to pay six, seven, eight dollars a piece, you know, for bullet sinkers, for one bullet sinker, you know, and the price has come down now. You know, we're getting that price point closer to where um, because demand's gone up. But for some reason, all of a sudden, Cabela's now is tying the environment. So I don't see that the tungsten lobbies after anybody. They, they're selling so much dang tungsten for shot. It's great. You know, steel. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And, and for, for jig heads, especially ice guys, you got to have it, right? We love it. Yeah. Uh, we love it. So, uh, that, and, but, but, by the way, I, I, I do just as well with tin through the ice or anything else, but that density of, is really nice. Um, and then bismuth is also pretty popular. Bismuth uh, is popular because lead is, lead's an 11, mm -hmm. tungsten's a 19, biz mm -hmm. is 9.8 or something. So it's almost a 10. So it's, it's a high percentage. You, yeah. know, you get into iron and, and tin and stuff, they're down in the sevens right. um, as far as density. So, you know, no, biz is great. It's good stuff. Well, and here's the cool thing. So in New Hampshire, and I think other states should, this is a great thing. Um, the Loon Preservation Committee has put some money up and they're doing a tackle buyback program. And, I, and uh, so uh, if, if I bring lead to the, uh, to the state of New Hampshire, they're going to give me a $10 gift certificate to some certain fishing shops and i happen to have about uh you know 25 pounds of lead in a bucket uh let of lead weights and stuff i've been collecting over the years so i might bring those down and trade them in and and then i can buy my tungsten whatever i need to buy but fishermen love buying new gear they love new stuff and so they need to get over all this and just stop using lead and those states who do not have a lead ban if you don't want rules just do it like make it a thing make it your thing and avoid the whole government interference and just do it because it's the right thing to do. Uh, and it makes good sense. I, I just, I, I hate that people are fighting to keep their lead. Uh, and the other thing that bothers me is that like fly fishermen can use lead. Lead can be used on spinners, can be used on all kinds of other lures. It just, it's just jig specifically for spin casting guys. I fly jig, man, a lead is legal. If you, it's okay. It's for spin casting only that the law exists. And it seems like a little bit of a mismatch there. Well, I did not know that. I did not know yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. Perfectly legal for flies. 
<laughs> well, but <clears throat> I lose a lot of flies. I'm not sure that's <laughs> well, and you can get you can get the tin wire, you can get a tin yeah. biz, biz combo wire. Um, mm -hmm. you don't need to use the lead wire, and of course, when you're talking tungsten beads the size of a BB, uh, they are more expensive than a lead one, but then again, you're tying those beadhead nymphs, you know, really. Um, I don't know, I you know, like I said, once again, I move beyond you know the actual i don't want to quibble about actual amounts and who's right. doing what let's just know that it's getting the water it's a contaminant it's not good for life forms whether they have to be birds people or you know something else and but on the other hand let's just take it easy on folks let's not get everybody's back up there's not a company yet mm -hmm. that has a comprehensive lead-free program but one is coming yeah. and uh and there's not a company yet that is targeting the entire market both nationally and internationally but there is one coming um <laughs> and uh yeah i dream small but uh <laughs> but uh you know we we're going to get to to where you can make that lead-free choice without a lot of pain and then yeah. we're going to see and i'm going to be proving out how good of guys and gals we got out there fishing I well, promise we'll, you. We'll, we'll get you some more fish pictures with your lead-free stuff. and uh, I'm going to send you some, buddy. You need prizes. You got clients. You know, I got yeah. a guide program. That's one of my marketing things is to get lures out to guides. Let them oh, I can, I can be a pro staff for you. Absolutely. You know, yeah. people Good catch part. the fish. They take a picture. They got the lure hanging out of its mouth. They ask the guide, hey, what else you got in that tackle box? I'll buy some of these, you know. And yeah. uh, it, it's it's people were talking to me about hiring a pro, and I thought, you know, instead of hiring some high dollar big name pro because i'll never have that kind of money not anytime soon <laughs> yeah. you know i can send small gifts out to the most important pros out there our guides and let them pe people on the fish and then they're sure. going to love the guy they're going to love the lure they're going to love the company anyway that's my idea so you're getting some stuff in the mail mr groves Good. i will be sure and and social media up there <laughs> <laughs> all right man next uh we have doc martin doc martin visited a few weeks ago uh, to help us celebrate our 200th episode. John, you were part of that. You weren't here, but you helped write the song that she sang, which was fantastic. Um, made me so happy. And uh, I'm happy that she visited too, which is bananas. Uh, and on our drive back to the airport, we recorded a bunch of fake fish in the news segments where Doc Martin would read me a news story and I would have to find out, is it fake or is it real? And that was the little game we played. And so we had a bunch of those. Uh, forgive the background noise on these. We recorded them in the car while driving to the airport. So we, we did the best we could. There's, the content is good. The sound is kind of... But I think it'll be good stuff. So um, thanks, Doc Martin, for being part of this. Boop. Recording. Okay. So Clint Eastwood uh, and, and Ron Howard and Matthew McConaughey decide to make a movie together. <laughs> Clint Eastwood said, I'm going to act. And Ron Howard said, I'll direct. And Matthew McConaughey said, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> Boo. Boo. <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> You've heard that? Yes. Yeah, I well, I mean, that's kind of what Matthew McConaughey does. All right. Yeah. <laughs> all right, why, why can't Matthew McConaughey... Go left in a car. <laughs> all right. Yeah, he only turns all right, all, all right. right, all right. <laughs> Every Matthew McConaughey joke ends with, yeah, with that. Yeah, it's exactly the same. Yeah, that's really funny. <laughs> God. Okay. All right. Um, so, Clay, mm -hmm. what is a fish? Ooh. I want to start with that. This is a that. classic question, right? Mm -hmm. So, 
this is one of the, I, this is when I whenever I'm talking doing fish talks people who don't know fish I always start with this question mm-hmm. because it's a good it's hard because we can define mammals very easily oh actually why don't we define mammals oh okay we're, we're gonna get weird here we're gonna define mammals yeah so I, I when I'm teaching this to kids I give them some really basic six things that mammals share right mm-hmm. mammals have teeth mm-hmm. live young mm-hmm. milk mm-hmm. Uh, hair mm-hmm. uh, they're, they have uh, backbones, mm-hmm. um, and they're they're warm blooded. So yep. those are the six things I teach. Can I do kids? I mean, you can do those six things. If you have all those in common, there's a good bet you're a mammal, right? Yep. Okay. Am I wrong? No. Okay. No. Yeah. No, I'm agreeing. <laughs> I'm always like I'm good. always like because because you know more stuff than me. That's where I get nervous. <laughs> no. So then when I do fish, I mm-hmm. s- I'll start with that and I'll say, okay, now define fish. Mm-hmm. And the kids will raise their hands and they'll say, all fish have backbones. And I'll go, no. And they'll go, well, all fish have scales. And I'll go, no. All fish have gills. And I'll go, no. All fish are cold-blooded. And I'll go, not really. <laughs> and, you know, and so, in, and so fish are much harder to define. And so we define them more as what they're not. <laughs> they're not all the other huh? things. They are fish. That's good. Yeah, that's, that's where I'm at with fish. Okay, right. so we, we've I can't, got... I can't define them well. Bony fishes, we can get into it, but... Well, it, get, it, gets, it gets hairier. Yes. <laughs> You're gonna appreciate that joke in five uh, minutes I can't from now. Wait. I can't okay. wait. So now we've d- kind of defined fish-ish, mm-hmm. <laughs> and which is how we define fish. Yeah, yeah. fish-ish. That's why I love them. And uh, we've defined mammals. Okay, uh-huh. they do share a few characteristics. Sure. Like backbones and things like that. Yeah. Um, Some. So now it brings me to my my story. Uh huh. You're gonna have to tell me if it's real or fake. All right. Um, so this guy from Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Fake. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There's, there's, there's no men in Wisconsin. Wisconsin is pretend. <laughs> doesn't oh, exist. There's no fish there. They just make cheese. That's Clay's all I've never know. been there. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't I have never it. seen it. <laughs> it's not real. Okay, so he has this picture, which I'll show you in a second. Mm-hmm. But he wanted to share a remarkable catch that he had one afternoon in May of 2015. Okay, so good. So he's. Good. I mm-hmm. like that's recent. And he was fishing on the Menominee River. Mm-hmm. And he caught some trout, mm-hmm. packed in a bottleneck. He caught a few that were totally normal. And then he reeled in this one. Oh, boy. He's never seen anything like it. <laughs> he contacted the local wildlife official. And they were over the moon. Of course. About how rare this fish was. <laughs> so it was an extreme case of sapro. Legnia. Sapro legnia. Mm-hmm. So let's take that apart. Okay. Sapro from the Latin term for tree sap. Mm-hmm. And what's the other sapro? <laughs> <laughs> I think legnia. Legnia. A legnia mean alleged meaning lies. Okay. Okay. You're so close. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And so uh, it was so exciting because of this rare, <laughs> I don't know if this is uh, genetic or an, or an infection. I don't know. Uh, but he got it mounted. Mm-hmm. So it was the rare fur-bearing trout. Mm, now, now this is a trout I've seen before. Oh, okay. In Maine, in mm-hmm. Moosehead, Maine, there is a little shop up there, gift shop called Camp Camp, mm-hmm. and they have one of these mounted on the wall. And it's called a fur-bearing trout, mm-hmm. and it was caught in the 1920s. And it's right next to the jackalope mount. Oh, it's right yeah. on the same wall, and mm-hmm. they, you know, I got to, they, I had him take it down. I got to touch it, 
and it felt very real to me. Mm-hmm. And as we know from the Varmint podcast, Jackalope are real. Oh. Uh, they, they tend to explode if they get wet, and there's all kinds of things you got to worry about with jackalopes. Gotcha. Um, however, is this real? And mm-hmm. so, have you heard of black hairy tongue syndrome? Mm-hmm. By the way, we're going to pay a toll right now. <laughs> You've heard of black hairy tongue? If yes. You, if you ha- by listeners who have not heard of black hairy tongue, do not Google black hairy tongue syndrome. It's a bacterial infection uh, that you can get in your tongue that you grow black hair, but the hair is just a fungus. And and for the record, the, the saprolegnia, that's a real thing that trout do get. Really? Yes, so that's is, real. What is that? Um, it is, I don't know, I think it's some kind of infection. I don't know if it's like a mold or a bacterial infection, but like the black hairy tongue, mm-hmm. it's related somehow to that. But basically it grows on the outside of the fish. Right, so the question we're going to answer today, is the fur-bearing trout news real news? Right. And uh, I'm thinking I want this to be real. Okay. I, I would love it to be real. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm going to go with, you know, here's the question. Do I want to be right or do I want to be made fun of? <laughs> so oh, but why not both? Why not? I'm gonna be <laughs> my, no matter what I'm getting, I, it's, it's pretend. Mm-hmm. Full on pretend. But I conceptually love it. Like, I love it like I love the jackalope. So we're going to go with fake news? Yes. Correct. Yes. It's completely <laughs> fake. And actually, the the actual disease, right. the saprolegnia. Hang on, we're paying a toll. Okay. Paying a toll. Pause. Hi there. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you. Why do I say thank you when I give people money? Well, they let you through. <laughs> let me drive on your road. <laughs> Here's a dollar. <laughs> uh, okay, so the actual disease that they have, mm-hmm. it does affect fish, yep. but it doesn't actually look anything like fur. It just kind of looks like a, dis- a white discoloration, so it's not fuzzy at all. Yeah, I think I've seen it. Is it fungal? I don't know. It yeah. doesn't say here. So I've seen fish with this kind of description on them, and it looks like fungus to me. Yeah. It looks like an athlete's foot type. That's what I would guess, but I, I don't have it in front of me, so I can't say with conviction. Probably yeah. fungi or bacteria. Those are the common things. Yeah, but I, I do love fur-bearing trout, and I have seen them mm-hmm. with my eyes. Mm-hmm. Well, know. there's some pictures here. Like, I'm looking yeah. at them. I, well, I've touched them. Yeah, there's one mounted on a wall in Wisconsin. Yeah, and I'll, I'll have to get, dig through my archive. Mm-hmm. Somewhere in the Fish Nerd News feed, there's a picture of the fur-bearing trout from Maine. But but it is absolutely fake, and most of them uh, are covered in, in rabbit fur. <sighs> That's where they went wrong. Yeah. Yeah, different kind of fur. People believe it. Like, if you were to put an animal fur on fish, what do you think would be the most appropriate? Actually, what I would use is the bird, the kiwi, because mm-hmm. that already looks a lot like fur, but it's actually feathers. feathers. Now, now, feathers on a fish, I would find more believable, mm-hmm. you know, because of modified scale or something Exactly. Like that. So that's what I would pick. Yeah. God, are there any examples of fish that have feathers? I'd say like, the closest would have to be like a flying fish. Yeah. Because that's kind of feathery, but that's not the same. Yeah. Because that's no. like an appendage. Yeah. I'm curious. Mm. I bet no. But I wonder if there's like anything like in Like a leafy sea dragon? They have those projections? Oh, yeah. And some of these fish look... Yeah, you're right. So, I mean, fish just, fish look weird, dude. They're totally weird. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't... I mean, you can't call them feathers. No, I, we couldn't. So you would be, you that. would be a very bad fish scientist if That's you right. did that. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, it's got feathers. It's a rooster fish. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Cock-a-doodle-doo. All right. Thanks, Doc. Yep. <laughs> So that's it. You've listened to a bunch of fish nerds when you should have been fishing. Yeah, we should have been fishing. <laughs> uh, we, we'd like to thank our families for supporting us while we podcast, go on fishing quests, and doing all the silly things that nerds do, and they are silly. Uh, special thanks to John King, the crappy hippie, 
uh, for being part of this show, and welcome uh, to the Fish Nerds, um, we call it the Secret Society. Welcome to the Secret Society, which is our correspondence. Um, we're happy to have you. Um, <laughs> Thank you very, very much. I feel so blessed. And so until next time, follow the code of the Fish Nerds. Spawn early and often. Avoid free lunches with strings attached. And swim against the current every chance you get. Nailed it, John. You got a good voice. I think it's going to be good. Oh, well, thank you. 